Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Redeeming Productivity. This is the podcast that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I am your host, Reagan Rose. Well, it's good to be back with you guys again for another episode. Before we get into it, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Words of Hope. Words of Hope is a daily devotional podcast. Uh, Words of Hope brings a few minutes of comfort and hope into your day. Each episode includes a passage of scripture and a thoughtful reflection. And in only five minutes long, you can listen anywhere and at any time. Words of Hope is available wherever you get your podcasts. So check them out. Well, on today's episode, I wanted to do something a little bit different. We've never done this before. My friend Mika suggested, hey, have you ever thought about doing a book review podcast? Uh, If you guys follow on the blog, from time to time, I do book reviews, typically on books about productivity, of course. And uh, I recently read a book, and I thought, you know what, this would be a good one to do an actual podcast, kind of reviewing and even uh, riffing a little bit on the themes of the book, and kind of, I can give you some of my thoughts on it uh, as we talk about it. And the book that I want to talk to you about is called Plauductivity. So like Plod, B-L-O-D and productivity, productivity. And I have it uh, right here. Hang on. Here it is. Productivity. It's by Douglas Wilson. Douglas Wilson. It's a, It was a, a great book. I've actually finished it a little while ago. It came out uh, in the beginning of January. I think January 3rd. It's about 100 pages, 115 pages. It's by Canon Press. And the full title is Productivity: A Practical Theology of Work and wealth, which is an interesting title. Hmm, are you intrigued? Well, you should be. Um, Doug Wilson, like I said, is the author, and if you're familiar with him, he's a somewhat controversial figure in evangelicalism, to put it mildly. Uh, But, you know, there is stuff that uh, Doug Wilson talks about that I really, really appreciate, and there's things that I, I disagree with with him about. But one of the areas that I think that it's hard to deny his contribution to is in the area of productivity. And now he's not really known as a productivity guy, but if you follow his blog at dougwills.com, uh, he does write on the subject from time to time. And uh, he's an undeniably productive person in his own right. Um, he has, in fact, actually it says on the back of the book here, uh, he's written over a hundred books, which I guess that's an accomplishment. I've written zero, so I don't know. Uh, He's been a pastor for 40 years. He's a founder of a K-12 school, a liberal arts college, a denomination, uh, international classical education organization. He also blogs prolifically, and uh, you have probably seen him uh, all over the internet getting into trouble. Um, So he's a productive guy, and he's a seasoned minister, and he's a seasoned... um, a theologian in his own right, and he's thought deeply about these things. And so when I saw that he had a book on productivity and his kind of standpoint on it, I had to pick it up. And uh, thank you to the publisher, Canon Press, for providing me with a copy of this. Um, so what is productivity? I mean, he's kind of coined a term here, and the book deals with this in kind of a roundabout way, but I did want to share with you how he defines productivity. So again, it's that, if you're listening, it's hard to (laughs) plod, B-L-O-D, 
and productivity, plod like plodding along. So he gives uh, two definitions of productivity on uh, the back book jacket, but he goes a little bit more depth inside, uh, which we'll get into in a moment. He says that productivity is the practice of plodding away at a pile of work instead of frantically trying to sprint through it all. I love that, and this is kind of a good follow-up if you listened to last week's episode of the podcast, uh, being addicted to urgency. Uh, this is the opposite of that, and that's what it really intrigued me about this book, is it's the opposite of frantically trying to sprint through work, but kind of plodding through it. Uh, not frantically, but systematically, day after day after day, taking the axe and taking one more chop at the tree, and eventually it falls. And I really appreciate this way of thinking about productivity. Um, I think it was in uh, David Allen's book, uh, Getting Things Done. He talks about this concept he calls mind like water, where you kind of are in a, a rest rested state where you have things under control and you're ready to give your attention to whatever the next thing you give your attention to because you don't have all this buzz of all these tasks that are incomplete or things you need to follow up that are driving you making you frantic and and fretting and the opposite is he calls it mind like water i think wilson similarly plot activity where you just plodding along day after day getting things done and I think it's important to think about because uh, this is kind of the opposite of what people think about often when they think about the topic of productivity. They they do think uh, about the person who is just crazy frantic all the time. And productivity means just, or productivity to most people means cramming as much you can into a day and, and just squeezing the last drop of juice out of every single day and then collapsing dead on your bed and doing it again tomorrow until you burn out at 35. <laughs> and that's not what it is, at least not for the Christian. So I want to talk to you about a few things I like about this book. Um, a few of the key points to it. And and I do, this is absolutely a recommendation. This is a short, easy to read book, very thoughtful, very interesting. And I think it will challenge your thinking on some of these subjects. So there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about in here. Um, probably what I see as the most uh, important theological contribution of this book to the study of productivity is the assertion that technology is a form of wealth. Um, and this, this kind of shows up early in the book, um, but it, it, the theme continues throughout. And, and honestly, by the end of it, I was convinced uh, that this was true, this statement that technology is a form of wealth. Um, and, and I think that why is this important to productivity? Well, technology is obviously huge in productivity. I mean, I do software reviews and, and things like that because there's tons of uh, apps and um, tools that can help us do more, that extend our ability to produce. And so technology is massively important in the, in the world of productivity. But as Christians, I don't know if you've felt this, but I've often felt the, um, I guess you would call it uh, hesitation or a kind of wondering like what category of theology does technology fall into, right? And have you ever thought about this? You know, like, I know that there aren't Bibles, Bible verses about like, 
an iPad or about, you know, how much internet you should use in a week, right? Like it doesn't, there's, there's not a passage about screen time. And so obviously, you know, themes of scripture must apply to technology. We believe in the sufficiency of the word of God, that it does address every issue pertaining to life and godliness. And so much of our lives nowadays are, um, mediated through technology. So how should a Christian think about it? What category does it fall under? And, and what Wilson does is he says, technology, if you, when you're thinking about it, when you're kind of, you know, uh, you have the different like areas of theology and you're thinking, and when some, you learn a new concept, you know, maybe it's about God, uh, about theology proper, and you drop it into that bucket and you say, oh, now I understand um, the simplicity of God a bit better. And I know where that fits in. But when technology comes in, you're like, well, what is, it's not, you know, where do I put this? Anyway, what, what Douglas says, we should think about it as wealth or in terms of money. So the, the passages, what the Bible says about money and about wealth, we should apply that to technology. And I think that's a fascinating proposition. Um, you know, and a lot of times the, our, our thinking about technology, not to belabor this point, but I think where we can get it wrong is we kind of go to extremes as Christians. So you'll hear people say, well, the Bible doesn't talk about technology at all, so it doesn't matter. We don't need to worry about it. We just kind of embrace it wholly. There's really nothing to think about. Or you'll have people that go to the far extreme, and even if they don't go full on, even if they go full, they don't go full Amish, they will say or imply that technology is kind of evil and should be avoided. Um, and so they'll be maybe five, 10 years behind the technological trends because they have a general wariness about technology itself or new advancements in that area. And so what Wilson says is no, when you think about technology, we need to think about it like wealth. And there's a great, great quote actually on uh, page 11. He says, if you have a smartphone, you have more wealth in your pocket than Nebuchadnezzar accumulated over the course of his lifetime. <clears throat> you know, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, dude was rich. He was loaded. Mr. Moneybags, they called him. Um, I don't think they called him that. But they could have in Babylonianese. Uh, and so let we'll talk about this in a second. How, what kind of an assertion is that, that I'm richer than King Nebuchadnezzar? He ruled all of these people. He had, he had infinite servants by him. So how can, how can you say that my little uh, iPhone here makes me wealthier than him, you know? Uh, and and it, this goes into what, what wealth means. But Wilson first deals with the subject of how scripture talks about wealth in two ways. He talks about it both as a blessing and, and the scriptures talk about it as a potential source of temptation. And so we have to be careful with money, right? So it's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money. Um, you know, you read in the pastorals about um, elders not being one who is is uh, given to the love of money. And so there's this this temptation to make wealth an idol. And likewise, there's a temptation to make our technology an idol. And there's a danger there. But just as there's with money where, where God uh, blesses, uh, you think of Solomon or, or, or others, and there is a blessing in financial. When you get a new job or you have some windfall, that's a blessing. That's, you know, all good things flow from God. And so in the same way, Technology can be a blessing or it can be uh, not a curse, but at least a temptation. 
And so that means we have a responsible a responsibility to steward our technology. Um, Wilson says methodically, deliberately, and intentionally. And it's complex. And we're not going to arrive at a wise stewardship understanding of technology by any kind of haphazard accident. It's got to be intentional. We have to think about our technology the same way that if you inherit $100,000, you sure need to think carefully on what am I going to do with this? How will I steward this before the Lord instead of running out and getting uh, a boat? You might still get a boat, but you should at least think about it first and pray about it and uh, how you are you being wise with it. And so that's kind of the title of this book. It's it's deliberate faithfulness, productivity. That's another um, definition he gives of productivity is deliberate faithfulness, which I, I think that's very clever. And you can kind of chew on that, those three words or those two words, deliberate faithfulness for a while. And so how how is technology like wealth specifically? I mean, I, th this took me a minute to try to wrap my head around what's he saying? Is this true? Can I can I uh, take this to the bank <laughs> or to the Apple store? Um, he gave the example of technology being like having a thousand servants or thousands of servants. And that's why we're wealthier than people that came before us. Uh, because what does wealth do? Well, wealth in, in some ways is a tool. It allows you to get things done, right? Uh, uh, you can you can accomplish a lot with money and by employing people, putting people to work to help to accomplish the goals that you've set out to do. And a wealthy man might have a thousand servants and we would evaluate the stewardship of that man on the basis of how well he managed those servants. He's got all these people at his disposal how is he using that? Um, I think of, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but, but Solomon, right? It, it talks about all the projects in uh, Chronicles, First Chronicles, talk about all the projects that Solomon completed during his reign and says, he built this, he did this, he did this. And it's talking about these things, that the Bible is, in praising terms. The thing is, Solomon didn't do any of those things. Um, he he didn't actually go and build that temple, but he stewarded all of those things that he had before him, the wealth, the, uh, the servants, the, the people that he could use, and he stewarded them towards a good and noble end. And he, in the end, in, in the Bible itself, is commended for that. He is, he's called a good king for those uh, aspects of his reign. And so you judge a steward by how they utilize the resources given to them, given to them. And while we're probably not going to use our iPhones to build pyramids, um, we should rightly, I think, and Wilson is saying, count the apps, the services we have uh, access to currently. We should count those as though we have tens of thousands of, of little digital servants in our pockets. Um, but the problem is we don't employ uh, the, this technology well at all. Most of us don't, at least, you know. I, I have, you know, maybe some automation set up or I'm able to communicate better to a wider group of people because of, of technology. Or, or some of us, you know, I've talked about this recently with the um, pandemic stuff, everybody's stuck at home. Some of us are, are utilizing technology better than we ever have before, stewarding that wealth better than we ever have with video calls and all of that because we're kind of being forced to. Um, 
Wilson writes on page 55, he says, I have a handful of reliable servants that I go to again and again. So he's talking about some of the apps he uses. But most of my servants, well over 9,000, are sitting around on their butts. And even the programs that I do use are operating at about 5% of their capacity. In short, I'm not nearly as good of a boss as I ought to be. And so productivity in Wilson's view then is learning to harness and command that array of digital servants, this embarrassment of wealth that we have with technology. So, so part of that is viewing technology like wealth. And I, I just thought that was huge. That, that was um, probably the biggest takeaway from this book for me. Um, but that wasn't the only thing I appreciated about it. Uh, the other um, drum he kind of beats throughout the book comes from Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine which reads, do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. And the way that Wilson summarizes that verse is he says, first-rate work is going to be recognized. And he draws a number of conclusions from that simple point, and most of them having to do with the importance of performing quality work, especially as people who bear the name of Christian um, sometimes, you know, you, the last person you want to hire is the roofer who says, oh, we're Christian roofers. Um, and, you know, we want to help out other Christians because sometimes those people are actually using your common bond in Christ as a way of excusing shoddy work. And that shouldn't be the case. If, if you find out that um, some tradesman or craftsman or whoever it is, is a Christian, the reputation that we should have among people is they do the best work. They are excellent. You find yourself a Christian and you hire them for to fix that leaky roof or whatever it is. That should be how it is. And, and so that was one of the applications of that, that, that skilled work you'll stand before kings. It's going to be recognized if you work skillfully at something, if you master the the labor that the Lord has put in front of you. Um, a lot of times we feel like we um, might be doing a really good job and nobody is noticing except for God, which, you know, we say, well, that's good. You are glorifying God with our labor. But according to this proverb that generally, as proverbs are applied, generally, uh, if you labor hard at something, you really hone your craft, you will be recognized for that. And he even, you know, he flips it around and says, you should be recognized for that. Uh, our, our work speaks. That was another way he, he talked about it is it actually says something. The, the quality of your work, if you cut corners and people know that you're a Christian, you might, you might think at work, oh, I witness all the time to people. I'm talking about the gospel, all this, but you're actually kind of doing the name of Christ a disservice if at the same time as you always talking about things of the Lord, you cut corners at work. You take the easy way out. You sweep things under the rug. You kind of just, you kind of have this reputation of, yeah, he'll get it maybe 90% there, but he's not going to finish the project 100%. That is not a good witness because your work, your actions, that speaks, the quality speaks of your own character and the character of your master. And so we want to speak well there. So it needs to be high quality. And this, uh, of course, is the fruit uh, and not the root of salvation, uh, high quality work uh, in, in the life of a Christian. 
but Christian productivity is important because the quality and the quantity of our work really does matter, right? It matters for glorifying God and it matters because it speaks about who our master is. It speaks about him. When we steward those resources well, when we're productive with our lives, we put out high quality and high quantity of good work in whatever area it is you're working in, makes Christ look good. The third part of Doug Wilson's book that I really liked was his talk about tools. Uh, Tools are really an essential part of modern productivity. But sometimes when I hear other believers talk about tools, there's sort of this Amish-ish wariness about technology and tools in general. Yes, an Amish-ish wariness. Um, But Wilson points out that that's actually kind of a common mistake that we make where we find the, I think he describes it as we find the locus of sin in the tool itself rather in the human heart. And so it's this idea that, um, you know, the, 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 the tool, the piece of technology, that's the problem. The problem's there, but no, that's really not true. He, he, uh, I love this quote from page 20. He says, hammers are used to build both brothels and barns, right? You don't curse the hammer because it was used to build the brothel. Um, you can do good things with the same tool as you do bad things with. And now he does say that there are some tools that are basically their, their telos, their, uh, their intention, their aim is to do bad. They're, they're made for bad purposes. But uh, most of the time, the tools are, they can be used for good or for ill. Um, he says, uh, he defines tool, I liked this, he defines tool in a very broad sense. He said it's something that is not part of a man's body, which makes something that the man wants to do possible or easier. It's from page 31. And this would, of course, include your smartphone, your task management software, or your 10-speed bike. But the key is that the tool can extend your ability to do sin or to do good. It, can, it, it, it just increases the radius and the, the, uh, the, the power of your ability. That's what tools do, and technology are just tools. And so, you know, just to be controversial, take guns, for example. You know, an, an AR-15 can be used for something heinous, like, like a school shooting, or it can be used to protect the innocent, right? You, you can use a rifle to go provide uh, food for your family by hunting or for murder, right? But, but the old adage that guns don't kill people, people kill people, that's true of all technology. You know, uh, computers uh, deliver pornography to, to, uh, to a person, but the computer itself is not the problem. It's it's the person who is looking for the pornography, and it's the person who made the pornography, right? The, the issue is the sinful heart, not the tool itself. It, the tools simply extend our abilities and our radius. Uh, you know, like the, the internet, I think is a great example because that there's so much bad on the internet that I'm, I'm often tempted to say, maybe I should just move to Alaska and hide in a cabin in the woods and just disconnect from the internet. It's just so full of just bad stuff and, and gossip and, 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 you know, news stuff that that's just trying to twist the truth. And, you know, it just, it's awful. But at the same time, uh, 
if I want to go and, and kind of do some research on a Bible passage, my goodness, even with, you know, I have Bible software and stuff, but even with that, the, the time saving and the access to resources for studying God's word that we have because of the internet is just insane. It is an incredible tool for that. And so it can be used for good or for ill. The, the tool isn't the problem. It's the stewardship of our tools, of our technology, of our phones, of our computers, whatever it is. That is the difference maker. That is the difference maker. And for the productive Christian, the opportunities we have in this age of a sea of incredibly powerful tools, you know, we have like nuclear weapons grade productivity tools, man. It's insane. I, I just bought, um, I, I've been doing like edging my lawn with one of those, uh, you know, it's kind of like a half moon shape and you stomp on it with your shoe to do the edging takes forever, breaks your back. <laughs> and I bought, um, cause it was on sale this like electric edger thing, dude, it is so much easier to just whip through all of that stuff. And, and the tool helped me to do that better. And, and so think of that times a billion when it comes to internet and computer technology, we have so much more power and as Spider-Man's uncle said, with great power comes great responsibility. I don't know. Was that Spider-Man? Isn't that in the Bible? Um, <laughs> no, but it is true. Responsibility, great power, great access to great resources. That, um, that requires us to be faithful, faithful stewardship. And I love this. This is how Wilson put it on page 32. He said, tools make it possible for our radius of fruitfulness to extend much farther than it otherwise would. Our radius of fruitfulness. Man, if that is not an awesome term for, for Christian productivity, I don't know what is. Our radius of fruitful, right? Our, our, our Lord tells us to, 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 be, to be fruitful, right? As we're connected to the vine and we're to be fruitful and bear much fruit. That's what we're trying to do with our lives is to bear good fruit for our master, for his glory, for our neighbor. And that's what we're trying to do. And to utilize tools to do that, man, that just makes us all the more uh, able to bear fruit and do that at a, in a greater radius. My wife just texted me and I didn't have the volume turned off on here. Oh, where's the volume button? I don't to use computers. I don't know how to steward this well. Uh, yeah, so that that's, I just think, such an important point is um, tools extend our radius of faithfulness. And that was the other key big takeaway I got from productivity. So there is a ton more I could say about this book. Uh, Wilson just has great insights in here also on ambition, on communication, using tools for communication, on mastery uh, of, of an area of expertise or skill, on routine. It's just there's so many beautiful, excellent nuggets of wisdom in here that if, if I tried to recount them all to you, I would just be basically reading the book out loud to you. So I highly commend this book. It's called Productivity, 
A Practical Theology of Work and Wealth by Douglas Wilson, and the publisher is Canon Press. Definitely check it out. I heartily recommend it to you. Um, and let me just kind of finish off with a, a one more quote from the book. I think this is good coda to this episode. Wilson writes, Long-distance runners settle into a pace. Rowers in a crew fall into what they call swing. This action, performed at this pace, methodically and deliberately, will, in fact, get us where we're going. When the need is urgent, the temptation to flail must be resisted. I think that's, that's huge. That is exactly what this book's all about. Deliberate action, day after day, serving the Lord, waking up, saying, Lord, how would you use me today? And just doing what's before you. That is the Christian life. It is, people have said it, he used the example here, it's a marathon. And to be productive in the Christian life isn't going and doing a bunch of huge, massive, major things, you know, and, and you look at the, these great heroes of the faith and think you have to be just like that. That's wonderful if the Lord has fit you for that. But for most of us, and even for many of those people that you might think of as great productive saints of the past, it's just getting up day after day and putting in the work, putting in the hours, and doing it quorum Deo before the face of God, and just trusting him for the results. And that, my friends, is Christian productivity. Uh, so yes, commend the book to you. Um, but that's all I have for this week. Don't forget to check out this week's sponsor, Words of Hope. Look them up on your podcast player. It's a great way to start the day. Just five-minute little daily devotional. Check that out. But I will catch you here next week. But until then, remember that in whatever you do, do it well and do it all to the glory of God.